welcome to For What It's Worth. I'm a horrible person. You'd leave stuff laying around? An introduction to and exploration of the furry fandom. No, no, you can't do that because I seriously think of Five Nights at Fred Meyer every time someone says that. At the library. Shh. Well, we have a choice here. Yeah, tell them what our choice is. What are the choices? Limbago in Idaho. What the hell? Shh. Shh. There are certain women I just want to bitch slap. <laughs> so in summary, people are awful. <laughs> it's it's kind of true. Today, we're going to be talking about furry authors and reading quietly. So here are your hosts, Nuka and Rue. Welcome, everybody. This is Rue. And here to my, um, across the, the, the seas and the border control and airplanes is We're good the old continents. Nuka. Oh, oh, you are in the same continent? Are you sure? I mean, technically we cross an ocean if you go all the way around, but. <laughs> I didn't know that Canada and the United States was connected that that's way. That's an American education. Isn't there a yeah. sea that's between it? Like a sea of maple syrup or something it's like that? a sea in Canada. I'm joking, I'm oh, joking. God. I know that's like the worst joke I could ever do. <laughs> this is going. Uh, so, uh, what have you been doing? Uh, what have I been doing? Um, I think last time I mentioned I was working on a book. I have since finished said book. I'm just like putting the finishing touches on the last chapter of the book. Uh, book. It's, it's always fun to write a book that you know literally no one will read. So that's great. Um, Yes, I did that. Well, what's uh, the what's the book like? Are you going? Oh, to... it's it's an academic book. Like it's it's me talking for three hundred and sixty pages about the nuances of a very particular scientific theory on fandom. And so, unless you really like statistics, unless you really like three hundred pages of literature review, um, yeah, like five people in the world are going to read this book. But it's uh, it, it's it's for me just to say it's out there. Um, Oh, come on. I, I know that tons of furries, tons of furries, like absolutely love your guys, your statistics all the time. It's, it's, it's not like, this isn't false modesty either though. I, I, other books I definitely write with the intent of a general audience. This one is written solely for eggheads who study fandom research. Like it's, it's too boring to be a, a textbook for a course. I'll put it that way. That's, that's how dry we're talking. So it's, uh, but I'm finishing it at least, and then I can get started on my, uh, I think I, I don't know if I told anyone this, I'm working on a new draft of the first science book, a proper book, and not just like a place where I dump graphs into. So that'll be my next project for the next year. That's awesome. What else other have you than, been up to? Other than that, uh, getting ready for teaching. I uh, start teaching in a few weeks here and getting uh, uh, getting sort of prepared for the, the, the not knowing for sure whether we're going to be back in person or whether we're going to be uh, teaching remotely. So kind of gearing up for the worst case scenario. So that's always fun to try to prepare for everything when you teach. Uh, and then finally, I guess the, the last big thing I was mentioning before the show, uh, I started playing, became addicted to, and have subsequently somewhat beaten the game Hades, which is uh, very exciting for me. Woo! That, that game is pretty amazing. It's really... Oh it's really, really fun, but I, I heard it, the hype. I didn't believe it until I tried it. And yeah, it absolutely is as good as everyone says. 
Yeah, I was I was the same opinion at the beginning. I'm like, oh, it's not, you know, people just get super excited about things. And then I just get disappointed. So I just didn't want to be disappointed for the longest time. But then I actually played it and I'm like, oh, my. Yeah, what a hassle. What have I been missing good. out on? <laughs> How about you, Rue? What's been new with you? Well, I've been losing it. Oh, absolutely losing it. I mean, if I if I already had like so many cookies that I've lost in my brain, I'm I'm losing it even further. No, I've been um, I've been calorie counting, if that makes sense. So oh. I've been um, I've lost 17 pounds so far. Oh, so congrats. So I'm going to continue to to work on myself and can hopefully I can get under 200 pounds. I know everybody's like now writing down Rue weighs X amount of pounds. <laughs> if it makes you feel better, I'm 50% more of you. Like I'm, I'm you plus 50%. So. Uh. <laughs> um, and then we got a dog. Um, but oh. unfortunately, don't get too excited because unfortunately the the adoption didn't hold. We adopted um, a pet from the shelter. And unfortunately, um, it just, it just long didn't story short, it just didn't end up working out. And we ended up having to return them back to the shelter. And that was the hardest thing that I have ever done. Because I absolutely adored that dog. I loved it so much. And just some of the things that it, it, it was, let's just say it wasn't 100% my choice. So, but it is what it is. So I've been going through my ups and downs, if that makes any sense. But anywho, no, that's what I've been up to. Um, hopefully, uh, hopefully your week picks up for you, and uh, maybe maybe some some mystical magical piece of paper will will prophesize or prophesize that you've got uh, good news coming in the future. I think that's a great idea. Let's go ahead and take a bite out of the cookie. Will he reuse another one? Is he ready? Is he going to bed with pastries again? It's Ruse Cookie Time, not sponsored by Betty Crocker. All right, so here is today's fortune. It is a friend asks only for your time and not money in bed with a cookie. I think that means things are gonna get better. I, I think so. I think so. It also could come across as prostitution. <laughs> I mean, either one will pick up your week. Pretty excited. I've been excited for this episode for, for quite a while now. 
Uh, it's, it's sort of just kind of near and dear to my heart, not just because I happen to know the guests very well, but also because I think this is a topic that we definitely uh, needed to shine a little bit of light on. So uh, let me introduce our guests here. Uh, there's, there's two of them. And um, yeah, how about you uh, all introduce yourselves? Who do we got? Are you guys going to be polite and figure out who's Rochambeau. Rochambeau. <laughs> so apparently we're, we're busy just writing a novel in your chat settings while you guys are talking. Um, because this is what happens when you give authors uh, free space and time and nothing to do is they will just create uh, asexual orgies in your chat room. <laughs> I noticed they're, they're probably handing out cookies like that at the orgy too. Yes, yep. we, we've recently decided we need to write a, a story with a, a, an asexual character at an orgy who is like handing out uh, gift baskets. Uh, they're there with the aftercare with vegan blueberry squares and infused lime water, as well as with like pom-poms, like take that extra large chance, you can do it. And then, you know, going around, going extra lube, make sure you've got the extra lube. Thank you so much for coming. Like just the most supportive person who's not interested in the sexual activities, but instead is just very positive about making sure their friends are having a safe and good time, you know, basket of condoms handing out, making sure everyone's taken care of. They're really so, that's ocean, by the way. <laughs> so, so look forward to this song, this story one day. I'm sure we'll write. <laughs> one of us will get to it eventually. <laughs> All right. So, so our guests today uh, are good friends of mine. They are Ocean and Kiri. And uh, why don't you tell the folks uh, a little bit about yourselves? So, to avoid the, the anarchy, let's start. Ocean, tell us a bit about yourself. I was going to say ladies first. <laughs> Kiri, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? <laughs> Gotta thank Ocean for just throwing me under the bus there. Thank you, Nika. <laughs> Love you. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, what is my name? My name, well <laughs> what is, <laughs> is it, like what is, what is my name? What is in a name? I don't know, we'll ask the psychology the psychology person to explain that. But um yeah, my name is Curisis Kuan Alpinus. Um my Nom de plume is Casey Alpinus, but usually in the fandom I go by Kiri. Um, I'm a furry author and furry editor and all around goofball. Um, I love plushies. I like soft things and stuff. Uh, and yeah, Ocean's right. If you kind of just leave me alone for a while, I will just create stories. It's kind of like something that leaks out of me. <laughs> like I can't. I can't go a long time without creating stories. Like I have a pen board in front of me and I've arranged my pens according to like the story that's in my head. Like I created this whole, out of all these little pens, I created like this whole D&D fight. And then I have like this whole space battle that they're trying to win. And then I have uh, just some regular furries at a con that are explaining it. So yeah, I, I just kind of go everywhere when it comes to writing. I, I, it's something that I have to do and something that I love doing. So, Carrie, how long have you been in the fandom? Oh, how goodness. long have you been a furry? I have been a furry. Uh, before I knew about the furry fandom, I was always entranced with stuff like um, anything that had anthrop anthropomorphic animals. So stuff like Altered Beast, The Lion King. Uh, whenever it was time to play something like um, Killer Instinct, I played Saber Wolf, and I'm, I won like the championship, uh, Killer Instinct championship at my summer camp. Uh, when it was time to play something like Tekken, I would always choose Kuma the Bear or King because obviously Jaguar Dude and the Bear are the ones I'm going to play. When Panda came out, I love playing with Panda. Um, so like 
from a very young age, I had a really strong um, love and appreciation for anthropomorphic animals. And I, and I became aware of like the furry fandom like in 2003. So when I was like, uh, what, 15? So like 14, 15 years old, I became aware of the fandom at large. And I've been involved with them. So over, what, like 18 years now? Yeah, I'm almost, like I've been in the fandom so long. I My my length is almost gone to going off to university and stuff. I've been here for so long. <laughs> so Ocean, how long have you been a furry? And tell us a little bit more about yourself. Um, I'd like to mention one thing about Carrie is that she is also a two-time Coyote Winner Award and one-time Leo Award winner as well. So she's very good. <laughs> Congratulations. She's not going to say it herself. Um, myself, uh, I, I feel like how long have you been a furry is one of those questions where it's like, eh, apparently I always was one. When you look back, you're like, yeah, yeah. When did I find the fandom is probably a more accurate question. Uh, because that that one probably goes back to around the time when I ended up ditching my friend at PAX and ended up ghosting the first brain first, completely not knowing what I was doing. As one does. <laughs> and then going, oh, okay, I like this community. They have a lot of things, and I, I like I totally relate to them. And so going back home and finding the local community, and that was yeah, like 15 years ago or more. And then you you meet new friends like like Nuka who who stares at your computer screen and looks at your desktop and goes that that desktop's kind of hot. <laughs> you're like, oh, do you like these pictures? I have more. And then you spread your dark candy, and suddenly, before you know it, they're a psychologist who has who is studying furries and beginning furry podcasts. So you know, watch what for, seeds for you wait a minute, Wait a minute, is is this the origins of Nuka? Is this, this is the this origins is? of Nuka? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I mentioned that, that, that a shadowy figure named Ocean is responsible for getting me into the fandom. This is that Ocean. Yes, so. yes. We we, we <laughs> met ocean. in university, and we were in the in a in a video games class together, because they like to mix up different different uh, doctrines there. And I was in comp sci, he was in his psychology, and we ended up on the same team to to develop a project. As we're all sitting there with our laptops out together, I have my blatantly furry. Uh, backdrop which I, I don't remember what it was do you i i don't know i had so much of, i don't remember but it was similar. so much i, I, had, I had a furry one as well yeah yeah you you had one and, and you were just kind of like trying to hide it and i'm like oh that's kind of neat and you're just like go go away and then i'm like i just kind of turn mine to you and it's like <laughs> friend uh, uh, do you like this as well <laughs> <laughs> and it was all done and at that point i dragged him in <laughs> the taint of furry was inextricably upon me <laughs> and you were converted to the gospel of furs. Yes, it, go it go and do good them. in the way of of the furry. Go forth and shed fur. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been wasting my life ever since. <laughs> so, where are you both from? Uh, so I I was born in. I, I like to say I have dual citizenship uh, for both Alberta and and Saskatchewan. <laughs> Oh no! Uh, I said all that Canadian jokes, like the unfunny ones. Yeah, we were we were so writing bad. them in the chat. I don't know if you saw them and such. Uh, no, the, the no. The ocean you had to cross was like superior. <laughs> I've got I've got <laughs> back. I'm not the only Canadian anymore. Uh, but yeah, I, I've been living in the prairies for most of my life, and now I'm I'm out in Alberta these days. 
And then I well, drag her uh, from the state. Speaking of states. <laughs> all I can say is you guys are um, in the best part of the country. So there you go. Are we? <laughs> I don't know. I am from like I am a traveler uh I was born in um I was born in uh Jersey City New Jersey and then we moved down to Atlanta I was like oh okay stayed in Atlanta and I graduated from high school in Atlanta and then I decided to go to university in Alabama and then after I finished university in Alabama, my mom was like, we're moving to Florida. And I was like, we're not moving to Florida. She was like, we're in Florida now. So I moved to Florida. And prior to meeting Ocean and stuff, I had been living in Florida for a few years. And I was like, this is not really where I want to be. I don't tolerate heat well. I love the beach, but the hurricanes are really doing something to me. And I have got to get out of here. So I met this plucky purple cat that was like, hey, you want to come be Canadian? And I was like, is it? is it just snow and maple syrup up there? He was like, you're not funny. And I was like, well, I'm just kind of curious because I'm not sure. And he's like, well, come join me. And I was like, all right. And I'm sad to say that I've been up here almost four years, still have never seen Drake, never seen Jim Carrey, <laughs> never seen all these famous Canadians. And I'm a little disappointed. All, all the famous Canadians are down in LA. <laughs> also, also, she's so in doctrine now. She's like, she will respond to like my country, meaning Canada. And she's like, I'm a Canadian. I'm like, no, dear, you need to take the citizenship test first. No, no, no. I, I, I've got my PR. No, 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 no. If you write on your form that you are Canadian, they are going to throw that form out. They, they You're not legally you, yeah. Canadian yet. <laughs> but she, she has liked yeah. it enough that she's already trying to be like, no, hey, look at me, eh? Hey. <laughs> Have you eaten your, your quota of poutine and, and maple syrup? Um, the maple syrup, yes. Not so much the poutine. Uh, Ocean's been trying his hardest with the poutine. Is like, goodbye, poutine, she, She'll poutine. eat a bite or two. I, I need my monthly dose, and that's about it. But then she'll have a bite of it. I want my goose. That's what I really want. I want my goose. The cobra chicken? I need the cobra chicken. <laughs> so how so... much Tim Hortons have you had? Just kidding. <laughs> um... Not as much as people would expect me to have. Like I like their um, the French curlers, those donuts. I'm not a coffee person, Crullers. and so usually I'll take a couple of yeah the curlers. I like the uh, I like their steep tea because that's what Ocean likes to get, and I find that I drink a lot more tea while I'm up here. Um, much more tea. Awesome, Nuki. You had a question. Oh, so I was, I was I was going to to try to steer the train back onto the tracks a bit, although this is interesting. Uh, so the episode, as was kind of alluded to already, is about authors and writing in the furry fandom. And so uh, I guess perhaps a, a question that's burning in everyone's mind here is how do you how did you get into writing? Uh, let's start with with Kiri here. How did you get into writing? Did you did you sort of always interested in writing or did you find something that inspired you or what's uh what sort of got your your feet wet in it um with writing i mostly i started off with writing because i loved reading and i like i'm a voracious reader it's books everywhere that's that makes me happy i like being buried in a pile of books so as a kid i would just read everything that i could get my hands on but a lot of times I didn't like the way that the story was kind of going. And I was like, well, sometimes I would have put my own characters into this world. And little did I know that this was fan fiction, but like I, where I was from, we didn't have a term for it. It was just like, I'm writing. 
So when I was like in middle school and high school, I read the story called Blood and Chocolate, which was one of the best werewolf stories I had ever read. And like, I loved it. So I created like fan fiction from Blood and Chocolate. And I was like, I would every day while I was in class, bored out of my mind, um, I would start working on my Blood and Chocolate fan fiction. And I wrote, I got up to like 250 handwritten pages of my Blood and Chocolate fan fiction and even had a friend who who saw how much I enjoyed writing and stuff, he kind of drew some artwork of my characters. And I think I still have it sticking around somewhere, but I, I got into it. And then um, when I went to university and stuff, I got more into um, nonfiction writing, like writing all these reports and research papers and stuff. So I kind of let my creative writing fall by the wayside until I um, got involved more with the furry fandom and ran into another friend of ours, um, Night Eyes Day Spring, he was like, uh, he's like, yeah, I, I, I do a little bit of writing and stuff, you know, you may want to check it out. I was like, oh, okay, I'll check out some of your stuff. And I read it, I was like, oh, okay, this is pretty good. Wow, you're actually a writer. He's like, yeah, you know, we have some openings coming up if you want to write for it. And my first, uh, my first story, I think that I submitted, I don't think, I don't think that I got in. But it was like my second one, I'd submitted it again to this plucky purple character for his his first anthology and I managed to get in. So I've been writing like ever since. I've been writing like constantly ever since. And it's been like my thing and I've enjoyed it. I haven't gotten into another one of his anthologies since. So, well, yeah, yeah, I have. I got into the... the you got into one of two. Yeah, I got into one of... <laughs> No, you, you, yeah, I got into one of two. <laughs> Batting 500 is pretty good, I think. I don't know anything about sports, but I hear that's probably a good thing. I hear you want more points than the other team. Yes. How, how, how about yourself, Ocean? How did you get into writing? Uh, you know, as a kid, just loved reading books, right? Like fantastical worlds that take you places, so many fun things. Everyone's got their genres they like it's, as well. And then uh, I would start doing self-insertions into like fan fictions <laughs> so in in animorphs as i'm sure many many a old gray muzzle furry here has read Yay! Uh, um, like, <laughs> loved the series as a kid and i loved it so much that i would read the book once and then the second time i would read it and insert myself into the book as like the extra animorph that was with them and tailor the story so it still fit but i was now a character in it doing things um, and then I would also like other other video games and stuff. I'd start writing fan fiction for, and then you'd start posting it on fanfiction.net. And then somebody else would like the story, and so you would just you'd get that little dopamine. Oh, somebody likes my stuff, and so it encouraged you to write more. And I would just have these notebooks just filled out because I would just lay on my bed as a teenager. Just I would have my green, purple, blue pens that I would switch out every so often and write it more, write more. Um, and yeah, I just enjoyed that a lot. But then when I hit uh, university, I kind of stopped for a bit. I was just busy with university and such. Uh, and it was always kind of the back of my mind. It wasn't until Nuka, um, I, when, when I went out for, I had an internship out in Waterloo when he was doing his, his doctorate out there. And there was Nano coming up. And he's like, oh, hey, I'm going to be doing this Nano group thing. Do you want to come hang out with me? And I'm just like, yeah, sure. I like writing. I haven't written in a while. And I ended up going with him and we went for wings with a bunch of cool people and they were all getting prepped to do their nano. We did it like right at the end of October. And so uh, like, explain to the folks what nano is. For oh yeah. Okay. So, so nano for anyone who doesn't 
who doesn't like torturing themselves with insane amounts of writing is national write a novel in a month uh, thing. And essentially the goal is during starting November 1st and before the end of the end of November 30th to write 50,000 words. Now, essentially that's, you know, a, a basis for a novel. And so it's just kind of this just word, word, word. You're doing, I think like about 3000 some words a day. It's been a while since I've done it. But yeah, I was just encouraged. Let's, let's, you know what? I, I haven't written in a while. Let's do this. And I didn't write a novel. Instead, I just wrote as many short stories as I could. I think I pumped out about 13 short stories in that whole month. Just ridiculous, crazy ones of all different types, just trying to exercise different genres and different styles. And then afterwards, the whole group that we had met at the, the wing, who was also kind of being a support group, were like, hey, now we've done this. Do you guys want to do a, an editing group afterwards where each month we'll talk about each person's stories and go through it and so i joined up with that until my internship and i moved back out west and then um funny enough when i was out west uh i remember going to rainforest rainforest comes up a lot in my stories i find <laughs> uh i i was at uh, i was hanging out with one of my friends in in rainforest voice and and um, yeah, one, we had actually never met weirdly enough, but we had been talked a lot. We were moderators on the forum. And I'm like, oh, hi, voice. And he's like, wait, who are you? And it's like, it's me. It's Ocean. Like, your Ocean? But he, we, we ended up talking like, oh, you like writing? Well, then you should come write with us because a bunch of us write and submit short stories. And, and I think a thing that a lot of people don't realize is that anyone can write and submit a story. A lot of people are like, no, that's what an author does. And you're like, if you no. can write a good story and edit it and submit it and you don't have to write a novel, that's another thing. A lot of people like you write a novel, right? And then you submit it to the grinder and hopefully they pick it up is that there are, <laughs> there, are, there are anthologies and collections that will take short stories or ask for flash fiction and you can write for these and submit them and they will pay you money and they will publish them in print. And this is just, just, it was a fantastical concept to me. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to try this. <laughs> and so like we, we had our small little writing group that we, we would get together and we'd, what, what, what anthology are you writing for? I'm writing for this one. Do you want to read my story after ours? I'll read your story. And we just kind of took off from there. Nuka tossing on his lab coat from his office ready to head out for the day, stops, his eyes catching the sight of a red fox selling cookies from a stand. He couldn't help but admire the commoner. And you are listening to For What It's Worth.
And welcome back. I'm, I hope that you enjoyed your potty break. Did you enjoy your potty break, Nuka? I certainly did. And it involved <laughs> far less potty and far more water. <laughs> so during the break, you might have noticed that uh, we have these lovely idents. These are the things that play when uh, uh, we're required, I think, legally to every once in a while uh, let people know what the heck they're listening to. These are idents, and uh, we need your help in getting more of them. Uh, if you're interested in doing one of those fancy idents and helping out the show, please just uh, basically just say you're you know, you're listening to for what it's worth. Make it funny and not too crude, and uh, send it to us. But what if what if I what if we want it to be crude? It could be just I mean, like really crude, like a, a moderate just... level of crudeness. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we also have a lovely patron. Oh, that's so, what that music was. Ah, uh, yeah, that lovely music that I absolutely love. It's your favorite. So, I'm going to try my very best. I know that I'm going to butcher people's names. Do it. So, here we go. So, we have Sly, Aston, Jarl, Big Bear Leo, or Leon. Luno. Or Luno, haha. <laughs> uh, GW. Hey, Nuka! It's me! What? Um, Koru, Bubble Whip, Adler, Moss, Chapelgriff, Ozzy, Black Baldrick, Ligris, Kit, Ichigo, Simone, Guardian Lion, Rifka, and Harlan. So, you guys, thank you so much for donating to our patron. You have no idea how much easier it, it makes to be able to do this show. Um, you know, one of the dreams that I had, and I'm sure you've heard me say this so many times, the dream that I had was that the, the show would eventually become self-sufficient and that um, we no longer had to put our own funds to be able to run the show. And uh, you guys have made that dream possible. So thank you for your continued support. We really appreciate it. All right. Let's get back to the topic at hand, shall we? Let's so, go for it. So what are we talking about today, Nuka? So continuing to talk to our, our lovely art, uh, artist, I almost said artist, uh, our lovely author friends here. Uh, writing is an art. Um, actually, it works really well with the question I was going to ask here. Um, I was going to ask, uh, for though, I, I think there's a, a bit of intimidation for those who are thinking about getting into the writing uh, scene. So I think... You know, so at least for me, at least, I think, okay, well, drawing, you know, anyone can pick up a pencil and, you know, draw badly, but still draw. But I think a lot of people feel like getting into writing, only smart people can do that. Only people like with a really big vocabulary can do it. Uh, so I was going to ask, do you think from your, your, do you think there's a, there's a bigger barrier to entry for writing? Not at all. Writing? Like, like, mm -hmm. I don't know. Like, the fact, I was going to say, you're like, yeah, an artist has to pick up a pencil and draw. You know what they have to do though? They have to buy a pencil. <laughs> For, yes, but for writing, you probably already have a computer and a word processor. It's one of the cheapest hobbies ever. It really is. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like art, you got to buy all your supplies. If you're a fur maker, you got to buy all your fur and your foam and that. You know, costumes require all these supplies. It's, it's writing. I type. It's very hard to live in society these days without something that has a word processor. You can write it on your friggin' smartphone. You can do it on your computer. Like. It's there's there's literally web apps. You could just open up a website and start typing it. Like, 
Um, so, so maybe now, not, now maybe for the a, skill level, the skill, skill level, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah well, actually, okay. answer your question as you insulted me <laughs> <laughs> by suggesting artists. that you do arts. Well, yeah, I, I, I will oh, give yeah. you the, the, the point that you know you could put us all under the banner of artists. We right? are all writers artists. are artists in our own way. We just write with words. We paint with <laughs> prose. I. I, I, I would show them as equivalent, honestly. Um, like you're going to develop skills in writing as you level up in the same way that as an artist is going to like, oh, I'm drawing circles better. Now I know how to do shading better, learn how to do backgrounds. You could do that for writing. Oh, I've learned how to do world building better. Oh, I've worked out better grammar and literally just learned how to compose sentences better. I've nailed uh, how to do an unreliable narrator better. Yeah, I've increased my vocabulary. Or how can I develop this character better? How can I get more into their minds and express? How how can I show show? Uh, um, I remember when I did a writing exercise in college, and it was like, okay, write write a sentence about a guy. He's making a cake, and you know, now make him. He's he's making a cake, but he's angry. You know, okay, now he's making a cake angrily, but secretly he's actually really excited. Like things like that. You're there's layers in, into how to portray stuff through writing, and and like your readers are going to pick up on it. Uh, and and if you read a lot, you should be able to pick up on that because you you can. If somebody writes, the dog was brown. Cool, you wrote nice. a sentence tells me about a dog that's brown. <laughs> But what if I say, you know, the chestnut dog, the chestnut, uh, what's a bread? Dear, give me a, give me a brown. Mahogany, brown dog. chocolate, chestnut. The, the chocolate lab ran across the street barking at the, the, like, you know, like I've immediately gone, taken the dog is brown and put it into two words, chocolate lab. And now I can still put a whole sentence in there. Like you learn how to write better sentences with more uh, vicious, vicious, <laughs> voracious detail, and and how to get, like say details better rather than go. You know, he was angry. You know, he slammed his keys on the table. He threw his books at the door. Yeah, like you, you tell me you're angry without telling me you're angry. Stuff like that. Yeah, that's one of the biggest things that you notice when you when you're looking at a writer's skill level. They go from uh, a concept that we call like showing versus telling. Like with everything in writing, there's a time and a place for it. There are some times where we need you to tell us more about what's going on. Like if you're telling me someone's backstory, I need you to actually tell me their backstory instead of saying, well, he felt like conflicted and confused and angry. It's like, no, just, just tell me his backstory. But there are other times where it's like, I want to feel what the character is feeling. So I need you to show me how he's doing that. Like if you're like Ocean was saying, if the character is sad, it's like, is he coming in and is he sighing a lot? Is he looking at the floor? Is he shuffling his feet as he walks? Does he sit down? Does it, does he listen to sad music? Does it feel like the world is ending? I mean, you can even make the sky gray in his world just to add that level to it. And this is kind of like a level up for writers because you go from saying something like the happy dog ran down the street and it's like, the chocolate lab bounced away down the street, chasing after a ball, its tongue lolling out of the side of its mouth. Yeah, like which which one of those paints a much brighter picture in your mind? You know, so, so, hey, Nuka, I have a question. Oh. Are but there what? more furry artists than writers? <laughs> yes, please yes. tell us, statistician. <laughs> please tell yes. us. Uh, by a factor of about two, actually. Uh, at least at least in terms of self-described. So this isn't like talking about numbers of people on FA, but when you ask people in surveys, 
would you use the label of writer or would you use the label of artist to describe yourself? We find that people are twice as likely to be artists as to be writers. I guess I'm curious, uh, why do you think that might be? I, I, I think it's because furry is a very visual fandom. You look at the things that attract people most and it's, you know, fursuits and art, right? Yeah. When, when uh, a lot of your gateway into the fandom is, I'm creating a fursona. Um, I could explain to you in words what my fursona is, and that's great. Or an artist can literally draw it and you can see it in two seconds. Like, again, hey, look, here's the here's my ocean plush. Like, it's <laughs> it's a very visual fandom. Yeah, see, everyone, like, every, Nuka and his whole walls of art there. Um, the, 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 and, the listeners can't see it, but I'm co- I, I got no, my entire if you, wall. If you, if, you ever, if you ever visit Nuka or if you ask nicely uh, for a picture of his, any of his rooms, he doesn't <laughs> need wallpaper because he has made it out of various law, uh, amounts of, of pictures he has purchased at cons from artists and just papered the wall with them and the roof and the door. He doesn't what, need what, walls anymore. He now has art. <laughs> but it's interesting to note, though, uh, so, so you described furry as a visual medium, and I'd be inclined to agree with you. And yet you'd mentioned uh, that some of the things that got you interested in furry were, uh, so you mentioned the Animorphs books, you mentioned, was it Blood and Chocolate, I think it was called? Kiri? What was that? What was the book? What, you, was, what the... was the uh, book you were talking about earlier? Blood and Chocolate? Yeah, Blood, Blood and, and Chocolate. Chocolate, yeah. Yeah, so, so, so even though furry is a visual medium, there is still... Oh yeah, uh, definitely. To be said for yeah, furries do a lot. You know, a lot of furries say they got in through Red Wall or Watership Down. So books absolutely have their place in the furry fandom. I think that's also a, an interesting point. Like the difference between art and books, if we want to even take it out of the furry spectrum, right? Um, and you hear a lot of artists go, "Man, I wish people went through my books as quickly as people talked about other artists and favorited all their pictures," right? Because uh, people are able to consume visual art so much faster, right? You're just like, I like that picture. Oh, that's really hot. Oh, look at the colors on that. And you can just flip through them, whatever, on Fur Affinity or E631, if that's what your pleasure is. Like, you can just go through swaths of art. Well, meanwhile, books, you have to sit it's like a 50 hour commitment yeah and (laughs) in the time it takes me to read one page how many pictures have you looked apart and so a a lot of people especially in our society have this we've got a very quickly i want to get done quick convenience i i think it's a a, i'm sure nuka can go more into the psychology and if i'm right or not (laughs) but it does seem like we have this fast food society of where i want to be i want stimulus fast and i want it quick and i want it now yeah like our Uh, microwave society i think they call it now in defense of the artists because a lot of artists will also come out and go i wish my art was in was as impactful as these books right because nuka we even talked about what what was our backgrounds when we met in college we can't even remember what they were yeah we can talk about animorphs books when i mentioned that and all of you lit up was like yes i remember when this happened in the book and that happened and that was what 25 years ago 20 i don't i don't know it was ages ago i was a wee little tigrox Um, (laughs) but but, but that still sticks to me you know wee little Uh, like like, like it's 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 so so it, you kind of got this. I can either consume it very quickly and it's very quick and pleasing, um, and you get a lot of satisfaction quick. And the artist also gets that feedback immediately, right? I love this picture. Looks great. All this. Meanwhile, the books, 
require a much larger investment to get into. And if your book sucks, then oh, man, now I feel like I read half of it and I don't want to read it anymore. Like yeah. if I don't like a picture, I just go to the next picture. But if, if they read that story and it's memorable, it just clings to them it like a good, a good gourmet meal that sticks to your ribs. Right. And so it's this trade off, I feel. Um, but again, I feel that uh, the fandom is, is a little skewed to the visual side. Um, because, you know, people like their personas, the, the, it's a lot of the expression as well as this is who I am. Yeah. Going back to the, um, with stuff that sticks with you, like sure, with artists, of course, they can create a piece of art and it's like someone can easily consume it. And it's like, yeah, this is a really good piece of art. Um, with a story, as Ocean said, it does take a longer investment, but a lot of times that payoff is long lasting. And usually with the authors that I read, like when I'm doing my research for writing, because I do a lot of reading to color my writing. So if I'm wondering like how to land an emotional impact, I'll read a lot of authors who have landed that emotional impact and their stories stick with me. Case in point, Ursula Vernon is one of my favorite authors. <laughs> and I'll never forget when I presented her with the Leo Award and she just hugged me. It was like, ah! But um, one of the stories she has written is called Picassin. And it's a really sentimental story. Like it'll really hit you in the feels because the way it starts, it starts off kind of innocuous enough. And then it's like the way it builds. And once you get to the end of it, you're kind of, it's kind of bittersweet. And it's like, the story is going to stick with me a long time because I've created an emotional attachment to it. See, the thing is like with artists, it's a little bit... It's a little bit easier for them to create like a visual attachment to them. It's like, yes, I like this. I see this. I, and, you know, I'll move on to the next one. With an author, it's like we'll create a long lasting emotional attachment to our piece because you've invested the time into it. And the payoff is like, wow, this is something that'll stick with me for a long time. In, in psychology, we call that depth of processing. We'd say artists, yeah, visual, spatial processing and in writing is depth of processing. I was literally about to ask like, Duca, what is this in psychology? What is is this? it like yeah. a, some sort of like not delayed gratification, <laughs> but thank you for already thank answering you. my question ahead of. There is, there is delay of gratification. We're really good at finishing well. each other's. Sandwiches. Yes, that is exactly <laughs> the correct answer. <laughs> so um, so I have a quick question about your guys' process. You talked to, in the first segment, you talked a little bit about your process, but um, we, we just kind of, glanced over editing um like what do you guys do to edit do you do like peer reviews or do you i pull uh, out my use... claws and i make the pages bleed red oh no do wait you... so are we editing my material or other people's material <laughs> i guess both i guess both but if, if i'm editing use, other like, people's, grammarly I, 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 or some people like can that? call me sadistic <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think i'm that bad um, we pass we, around the not evil editor friends, <laughs> one of our friends dark uh dark end is known as the scary editor <laughs> <laughs> But he is the gauntlet we all must pass through. So yeah, there's there's two there's if we want to go into editing, there's I'm gonna edit my own work. So I've written my first draft. Please oh, and before I get into this, do not do your editing until you've finished your first draft. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tyrus writing mantra. Right now, edit later. Right now, edit later. If if that if again no rules are 100 if if it works for you that you can edit and go back to writing go for it but a lot of people 
start writing and they get very insecure about their writing. They're like, I don't know if this was good. I don't know if this is the right scene. And then they're like, well, can you tell me I need some validation? And it's, it's, it, you really want that validation. Right. Um, but just, I, I would just say, please don't, please don't do that. Don't do that to yourself. Wait, finish it because you don't know where the story's going to go. The story might change. The characters might change. You might change a whole thing in it. Write the entire story first. Then go back. The, like as soon as you've written it, go. Okay, that was good. Toss it away for a couple days. Don't look at it. Forget about it. Forget it exists. But then come back to it a few days and read it. And as you read it, you'll you'll be like, why did I write that? Oh, that was trash. Oh, I should, this would be a really good point to put this actually. Oh, oh, actually, at the end of the story, we have this this detail. But now I can add it here, so it's foreshadowing and stuff. And so as you read through the story and you're, you're doing your first draft. Now you actually know what the story is. Uh, you're, you're able to move details around and get a bigger understanding so that your first draft lines up a lot. Your first draft is going to suck. That's okay. First drafts are supposed to suck. Just, just get it written, write it out. And then once you, once you've done that and you've done a first, maybe second, even a third pass, then find some people that you trust will give you constructive criticism, not yes, men, because there are plenty of people who go, this story was great. I love it. And you're like, no, really, what sucked about it? I want it to be good or I want it to be great. But right now it's just good, you know, and then take their feedback. Yeah. One thing I kind of want us to circle back around once we get out of our editing processes are is kind of how to receive crit constructive feedback and constructive criticism, whether from a beta reader or whether from an editor because there are different levels to this and some people conflate all of those and then get their feelings hurt when it's like, what do you mean to tell me this isn't the best and greatest story that you've ever read? How dare you? But um, yeah, going into like the process of where I'm editing my own stuff, I'm right there with Ocean. My biggest problem when I was younger is like, I would write something, I'd write like a scene and stuff. And then it's like, okay, let me go back and edit this. And let me have them do this, that, and the other. And it's like, I'll have sat there for like a year editing this one scene when it's like, I could have just went ahead and produce something that's like trash and built it up into like this really decent story. And a lot of well, people, you, you <laughs> might, you might write that first scene, rewrite it 50 times, never write the end. Yeah. Then say you got to the end and you write, you know what? I don't even need this first scene. Yep. That's exactly <laughs> what can happen. <laughs> I'm, picturing, I'm picturing Bob Ross drawing one cloud and then going over and over on that one cloud yeah, and forgetting yeah. the rest of the No, picture. the cloud's not perfect yet. Cloud's <laughs> not perfect yet. And then he's like, you know what? We're going to paint a tree right over that cloud. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. what did you do? Yeah. Like get, figure out what your picture is going to be before you start editing the picture. Yeah. That's like, that's one of the biggest things. Like when people will come to me and ask me about uh, editing advice or writing advice, my first thing is like, I'll tell them very nicely is that I do not want to read over anything that you have not finished yet because anything yeah, that yeah, I could say to you. question, is it done? Yeah. Is it oh, done? I don't want it. I don't Please want keep it. writing it. If you want like some, some brain, brain uh, storming ideas, I'm happy to do that. But if you're like, can you check out this chapter? Like check out this scene? I'm like, is it done? No. Then if it's not it, done, right? I do not want it. Do not give it to I'll me. I'll be here at the end. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, the way for my track record, I should be here when you finish it and stuff. So don't give it to me until it's done because like, I don't want to interrupt your flow or make you self-conscious about your writing to where you never pick up a pen again. Um, and I also want to heavily stress this is like, whenever we go through and we do edits, like whether um, copy, structural or beta edits and stuff, we really are not doing this to hurt your feelings. It's always to help you grow. <laughs> 
uh, also in addition, as as we are actual, we've been editors, actual editors for anthologies where we select stories and then work with the author on them to improving them. Um, you can also tell very clearly who has had someone else read their story. Yep. Um, it's it's like you're like there's no way that someone read the story and didn't tell you that that like your character changed halfway through the story. <laughs> Margaret has now become Cindy. Yeah. Did you not? Did you even read your own story? How did you? Because as you write the story and you go over that first pass, you again, you you know what the world is. You know every all the details. So you're going to skip things as you go through it. And so that's why after you're happy with the first, second, third draft, give it to other people who know nothing about it so they can read it and they'll be like, Margaret turned into Cindy. And you'll be like, holy crap, I didn't even realize that. Like st stupid things like that pop out all the time. And so as when we get a slush pile and you're like, did this person even have anyone? How could anyone even? I, I don't understand. You're like, what is this story anymore? <laughs> yeah, it's like, what is going on here? Um... So now that you've gotten to the point where you've you've gone through the editing, you're at the final draft, and you're like, now I want to publish this. What's uh, yes. the steps for that? Uh, rule number one. <laughs> Read all the submitting guidelines. Dear God, please read the submitting guidelines. Rule number two, read the submitting guidelines again. Please read them. Oh, my God. Rule number three, make sure that your story fits within the submitting guidelines. <laughs> Rule number four, double check the submitting guidelines and make sure that your story has been formatted to meet them. Because you, you didn't. You still missed something. Do not you send me something in latex. Format. You didn't. <laughs> send the email the way I wanted it. Now, granted with us, with much smaller publishers, we're much more lenient. If you're sending to much major houses, you just gave them a reason to toss your story away. Yes. <laughs> yes. So like, so tell us a bit more about that. So again, so uh, I'm a furry writer. I've just written my first short story. So what's okay, available first, to first, me? You've just written your first story? Congratulations. Job. <laughs> okay. Do not, do not underestimate the accomplishment you have just done. You finished a first draft. That's amazing. We are proud you did of you. A lot of work, and you created something, and you should be proud and pat yourself on the back for that. So, in terms of where I go with this now, right? So, what what, what sort of options are available to whether it's writing books, whether it's short stories? What sort of is out there? Like, I, you know, the the first thing a person might jump to is, say, oh, so should I run off to like uh, uh, some major publisher or something and say, Hey, you know, I don't know, Bantam books or whatever, or, you know, Hey, can you publish my, my furry short story or something? Are there maybe better places you might want to consider starting if you're a first time author or depending on the length or the, the, the format of your story or. Go ahead, Carrie. I'm letting you take this one. <laughs> With, I see like, I seem to have dropped into like the editing hole. So I spent a lot of my time doing editing stuff. So, Let's say you've got your first draft and you're basking in that afterglow of the first draft. So now you're like, what do? Well, my first thing once you have this first draft is you want to have somebody read over this first draft because you want it to you want to you want to put your best foot forward when you're working with this. So you want somebody who's in there who's going to tell you not just that you have the word to two two in the same sentence, which is a typo, but also the fact that your character has no motivations or drive or that your character doesn't have any agency or that your character or that your setting and world building doesn't make any sense or that your ending falls flat. Um, that's one set of beta reads you want to have. Also, if you're saying that you want to write for, for a marginalized character in there, like say you want to write an ace or 
a non-binary character in there and you're not ace or non-binary, have you had someone who is ace or non-binary read over your story or tell you like, hey, this is kind of um, a bit of a stereotype about asexual or aromantic people. And here's something you may want to do to rectify that so that it doesn't unintentionally harm people. Like, we know you don't set out to just like, haha, yes, I'm just going to make fun of ace and trans people. We know you're not intentionally setting out to do that. But a lot of times people have their own, um, I think it's called schemas. What is it? Schemas? The way they think schemas. about it? Yeah. Their own schemas and their own little biases and stuff that sometimes comes into their writing. And you don't want to pass it on to be published in like someone who else is not trans or non-binary or ace and they don't pick that up and you unintentionally publish something that's like, holy shit, this is triggering and this is detrimental to that community. So if you're writing about marginalized characters or marginalized, yeah, marginalized characters, you want to have somebody who's from that marginalization, not to come in and totally reshape your story, but to find areas that may be problematic or may cause um, trouble for you down the line and say, hey, here's how you can fix this. So once you've gone through like your beta readers and your sensitivity readers, then of course you'll have also want to go to someone to edit it. Like you edit it to the best of your abilities. I'm not saying that you have to pay somebody, a professional editor to do that because if you're thinking of submitting it to any publishing house, they're going to, they're going to edit it as well. But you do, that's not to say that you don't want to send something in full of typos because you know they're going to edit it. Because I know when I receive a story and it's like it could be the greatest story I've ever seen, but if I see so many typos in there that I have to go back through and fix, I'm going to be annoyed with you because it takes a lot of time from me where I could be doing something else or judging another story. So now that you have, you've done your beta, re, your beta edits, you've done your sensitivity reading, you've done your typo check, like Ocean said, you want to go back and look at the, the place you're submitting to. Like say, for instance, you're going to submit to the one that I work for, Gold Publications. Gold Publications has on, they have an open submission call and they say, here's what we are looking for. Usually the submission call is written by the author. So it looks very bad on your part if you do not pay attention to the submission call and the submission guidelines and you send something in. Because it's like, you're telling me as the editor, I do not care enough about what you want to read what you're telling me. So I'm just going to go on ahead and you do with that information what you will. No, you don't want to do that. <laughs> you want to have your information squared away. And if I'm saying like, okay, I want my story, your story can be no longer than 7,000 words. Do not send me a 10,000 word story and, at, and say, well, you know, it's just a little bit over it. If I say my lower limit is it needs to be at least a thousand words, don't send me something 250 words and say, make it fit. Cause I'm also not gonna accept it. Um, if I tell you that my theme is I want inverted fairy tales, don't send me a, a sci-fi post-apocalyptic dystopian story that has nothing whatsoever to do with the theme even if you like you could be someone like um you could be like uh what is it james patterson sending me something in if it's not on theme i'm gonna have to say sorry james this is not on theme and reject it it's not a you it's not a me thing it's actually a you problem here because you did you failed to read the instructions um and after that it's like also i want to mention like you pick your publishing houses because certain publishing houses have different things that they like to publish. Um, I know there's a furry publisher who likes to publish on a little, um, a little bit darker things. They like horror stuff, and they kind of flirt with the line on the stuff that they publish. So if you're into darker, a little bit more erotica stuff, um, go with them. Or if you're like, you know, 
I want to submit my comic or something. You can go with one such as Fur Planet. If you're looking to get into like what are called novelettes or pocket shots, you could submit to Gold Publications because they're for shorter stories, but you get a nice little cover and stuff and you go through the editing process and you get to learn how how it is to work with an editor. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, usually when someone's writing a story, I'm assuming they have a purpose for it. Um, I'm going to say that the big general reason is I wrote a novel and I want it published. At that point, uh, if you think it's cleaned up and ready to be submitted, hit the, go for the highest target. If you want to hit mainstream, go find the mainstream publisher that you would love to be published with, send it to them first, and work your way down. Like You're not, what's the, you're not going to make any of the shots, you don't shoot, whatever. So go like feel free go submit to anybody uh whoever you want to try to get published that's that's a whole thing if you're like me and you write short stories generally you've probably looked at around what anthologies are looking for and then you've written a story for that or maybe you already had a story that kind of fits the guidelines or something you can modify and so you would be like hey you're writing a story about volcanoes and i wrote a volcano story do you want it Maybe maybe you have a Patreon and you write a monthly story. So at that point, you're just uploading it up there and saying, thank you, Patreons. Please, please continue supporting me and I will continue sending you stuff. Uh, maybe maybe you don't care about money. You just want to try to get some views. So maybe you'll submit it to SoFurry for free and people can click and you can leave a tip jar and stuff. Like there's, there's so many different ways that you can publish out there. Would you say uh, it's a good idea to sort of have... When you sit down to write, is it a good idea to have a goal in mind? Like I'm going to write a short story or I'm going to write a novel or I'm going to write, or is it better to write it first and then try to find somewhere to slot it in after? I think those two things are two different things. Um, so you're, you're the psychologist. <laughs> you tell me, is it better to have a goal when you, when you're in, when you have the objective of doing something? Like I, I assume if you're going to write, your objective is to write a thing. Is that thing just going to be, oh, I just want to write a bunch of fibbly doos and I have a <laughs> book of fibbly doos. Do I want to actually, like, I want to write the great American novel and that's what I'm going to write. Or uh, I like Zootopia so much, I'm going to write my Zootopia fan fiction and maybe someone will read it. Or maybe it'll get so big that I'll have to make it not Zootopia and it'll turn into another uh, uh, amazing franchise. This has already happened. <laughs> uh, <Probably>. So, <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but so you probably already have a goal, I'm assuming. And so just follow it on that goal. The second half, what was the second half you had said there? Um, so my, uh, the question was, is it better to have the goal in mind first and then write to us? Oh, uh, Ocean has this this anthology coming out. Oh, so I need yeah, to submit yeah. a, or is it better to just start writing, write the piece and then figure out where to put it afterward? So with novels on that, generally people are like, oh, what's hot right now? Oh, uh young adult dystopian fiction. I'm going to try to write that now. If you're going to try and chase the market, you're probably not going to do a good version because the market will have moved by the time you finish your novel. That doesn't say don't write that YA dystopian that you still want to write. Still write it. There's still probably a market out there for it. Uh, I would not try to chase the market in novels, but I also have very little experience in this, so do not take my my word as law, grain of salt, et cetera, et cetera. If you want to write the novel, write the novel. And if you, again, like anthologies, I feel are a much more concise uh, a thing. Like if you want to, the uh, Ian Keller just put out an ocean anthology. And so it was stories about specifically things under the ocean, right? Because we don't see a lot of that. 
uh, if you, you would see that call and you'd be, it, two things may happen. A, you'd be like, that's a really cool concept. I'm going to write an under, an underwater opera or whatever I want. And hopefully maybe they will like my story enough and it will get published. Or B, you'll be like, oh, I remember when I wrote this underwater opera and it never, I, I just wrote it. Maybe they would like it. And so you so can submit both to can it. happen. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, both are fine options, right? Do you, do you want to have a goal, like you said, and go, these are the anthologies that are open right now because they're tons. And if you go that, I think I have a cool idea for that. I will write for that. Or maybe you are just like, you know what? I just really, I have this cool idea for a story. I don't know where it will go, but I want to write the story. And then you have a story, a fully completed story that you can send off to somewhere or keep to your heart's content or share with friends. Both are completely valid. So you both seem like you were, were chomping at the bit earlier to, to give some advice. So maybe we'll let you guys loose here. Uh, in general, do you have advice on things like uh, how you get started writing? How do you become better at writing? Writing habits? So, you know, like what's other good habits to get into? Where to get inspiration? Any sort of advice you would like to pass on to young furry writers out there looking to be inspired and, and looking to get better at the craft? Just let also, loose. old old furry writers are or old furry writers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, they're a lost cause. They they're they're on the sidelines. They they're too old to learn new tricks. Just kidding. <laughs> uh, to coin a phrase, you know, write what you want to see is always a good one. Like again, if you if there's a a market that's not around, but you're not you would like to see more of it, write it. Uh, as well as I said earlier, right now, edit later. Do not get stuck in that editing loop. We had another one on our podcast in Fangs and Fonts. It was fuck it, ship it. <laughs> because again, it, it was, so you, you have the two editing loops, the one where you're writing, but you haven't finished the draft and you keep re-editing what you've written. Just write it, edit later. Just if you start to want to, if you're questioning what you're writing, just start start yelling right now, edit later. And you just keep writing, keep writing. Keep and the other one is you've, You've now completed your pro. You've completed that draft, but now you're in infinite, uh, infinite cycles of refining it. You're like, it's not perfect yet. It's not perfect yet. Guess what? It's never going to be perfect. Fuck it. Ship it. It's just, just send it off now. Send it off, and and you might get some feedback. You it might get rejected. It might get accepted. It might get rejected with feedback, and you could be like, that's good feedback. I'll take it. It might get rejected. And people say you should do this with the story, but you'll be like, I don't want to do that with the story. Then don't. It's your story. Do whatever you want with it. Don't don't tell don't let other people tell you how your story should be. That's another important thing. If you're a, if you're a beta reader or you're an editor, don't tell someone that you know your story should be this. That you could you suggest that you know I think the story would be better if you did this, but that's my opinion. Maybe they will like that. Maybe they'll think that's a terrible idea. It's up to them. It's your story. Do do what you want with it. Um, I'm going to add a caveat into what Ocean said, because like this is the point that I made earlier and wanted to bring up. There is a vast difference between the advice that your editor gives you and the advice that a beta reader gives you, because one is going to be paying you money to publish your story in their anthology, and the other one's doing this out of the kindness of their heart and because you know they have the free time. Like If a beta reader tells you to do something, like they say something like, you know what, I really think that you should kill off this character. You as the author <laughs> can take their advice if you want to, or you can say, hmm, I never considered that. I'm not going to do that, but thank you for the advice. Whereas with an editor, they can say, I've read over your, manu over your manuscript 
And this character makes no sense. It's like they don't do anything in your story. Why are they here? And you just say, well, I like them here. Your editor is going to respond like, okay, I understand that. But in order to help the story flow and to keep it moving and to keep people from skimming over it, this character either needs to A, find something to do, or you need to cut this character. And a lot of people will want to go back and quibble back and forth over the editor. It's like, well, the editor doesn't know what they're talking about and stuff. And it's like, I've actually had this happen in an anthology where I was like, hey, as your editor, I'm going to give you some solid advice. You should probably cut this part. The author was like, no, I don't want to cut this part. No, this is just really, you're just trying to write my story for me. And it's like, I'm really not trying to write your story for you. It's just, as your editor and with my experience, I see where you're trying to take this story and I'm trying to help you get it there without the stumbling block. And so basically it came to the point where they were just adamant that they didn't want to remove it. So when it came time for us to get like reviews and stuff, a lot of readers pointed out this one thing is like, this character does not do anything. I'm not even sure why they were here at all. So. Yeah. A caveat on that is remember that at any time you can walk away with your story at any time they can just go, you know what? We're done working with you. Unless, unless you've signed a contract that says otherwise, both of you are free parties to go, you know, we've tried working together. We don't think it's going to work, but good luck with your story or such, you know? Also, that contract can be a scary thing sometimes, as my furry book will be a testament to the horrible cover on that furry book that I will never live down. Oh, you're going to have to tell me about that later. Yeah, we're going to have to yeah. hear about this one. But as far yeah. as like... Con- as far for what as it's con- worth after hours. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you are, like, I'm going to name drop here, but if you are kind of unfamiliar with contracts, I would definitely suggest looking up Mary Loud. Well, Mary, Mary E. Loud on Twitter. She goes by Rifna in the furry fandom. She has a really big, she has a nice, really Twitter, a nice long Twitter thread about contracts and the importance of reading your contract through understanding what's in the contract, having something that's called a sunset clause in there. So like if, if the publisher goes under or something, you get your story back or the amount of rights that are retained to your story. Like this is like this is something that you could probably go over with like the publishers because they're they get bigger into this and they'll let you know what you can what they plan to do and not do with your story, which you can and can't do with your story. Like we had an incident where in um, we don't have um, what is it ocean like an exclusivity clause or something in our contracts where it's like you can't publish. Generally, a lot of yeah, the furry fandom ones are we want exclusive for this publication um, your story. Sometimes they they ask for your story to be exclusive in this anthology that they're putting towards for the next two years. That can mean that they don't want it published anywhere else. Sometimes it's, we're going to publish this in this anthology for two years or indefinitely. Okay, if we want to publish this book for indefinitely, we have your permission to do so. We're paying you a flat rate. But in addition to that, if you find somewhere else to publish it or you want to put it online, we just ask maybe you wait a year before doing so. But gentlemen's agreement and such yeah it's more of a gentleman's agreement with us however when you get to like the big time publishers like your tour your um anything that's like a syphil one they're kind of sticklers where they're like okay for part of this contract and as a part of us giving you an advance and stuff you've agreed not to publish this story anywhere else you agree you're we're the only people that you publish with and if you decide that hey you know what i want to publish the story on my patreon and stuff you can be in breach of contract and they're, they'll be within their rights to pull back that advance. 
So that's something that you really want to be mindful of when you're out here writing and stuff and you sign with a particular company. Um, just basically like not saying that you need to have a lawyer go over your contract with a fine tooth comb. But when you get your first contract, you really need to sit and look at it and say, OK, here's what I understand. Here's what I don't understand. Here's something that I should really look into or should do. And that's why I strongly, strongly suggest if you're curious about it, looking up Mary Loud or Rifna on Twitter, because she's very good at that. She's published a lot of stories and she knows her way around the contract. I believe CIFWA, Science Fiction Writers of America, also has a lot of good resources on contracts. I, I, I am very not educated enough to go in and give contract advice other than read your contract. If you have questions about it or something doesn't make sense, ask the people who made your contract about it. Yeah. Yeah, CIFWA is a good that, resource. No, that, that, that's another thing. If there's something in your contract you don't like, you can ask for it to be changed. It has been done. Uh, like, just because they give you a contract, like, we're all used to going, yeah, whatever, terms of service, except for the Pay me, pay me, pay me. <laughs> but read your contract, understand at most what it does, and if there are things in it that you don't like, like they say, you know, we have the exclusive rights to your characters forever. You might want to go, uh, I might want to write this character in another story that doesn't involve you. I would not like this to be in my contract. Like, you can get screwed over if you're not careful. I, I don't think the, the furry fandom publishers are are predatory in that way, I wouldn't be worried, but you know, always read your contract, you never know. Yeah, always read your contract. So we're nearing the end. We're nearing the end. As so... we call the denouement. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I know that you guys have already been asked this question, but I just wanted to make sure we're in our final thoughts segment. So is there anything else that you want people to know about furry authors or furry writing? Buy my book. <laughs> <laughs> um, that like it is a joke, but please, yeah, buy my book. I, I, I'm very proud of it. Go buy it. Uh, Inhuman Acts by Ocean Tigerx. But in all serious though, it's okay. uh, actually check out furry writing. I'm if you're not into if you're not into reading, then I'm not going to go and convince you to go pick up a book and go you know force feed you read books because if you're already not reading books, why would you read furry books? But yeah. if you actually enjoy reading there are actually good furry books out there there's there's a stigma out there that's like furry writing is trash and it's there there of course there's trash there's trash everywhere there's trashy it, art <laughs> you, you and, and there's tons of terrible books out there that are furry and non-furry but there's also good books out there if you need recommendations i'm happy to give them if you are at a con and the publishers are there talk to them be like hey i I was wondering if you have any books about crime stories or something, or like, do you have any good like space stories or, Hey, I really like, I really like, um, like this genre. I, I really like mecha animes. Do you have any books that might be like that? And they'd be like, actually like Here's they're there. They want to sell you books. They're proud of the books that they've obviously published. Otherwise they probably wouldn't have published them. And they're there to go, Hey, if you like story a or movie B, you might like, book a or story like there check out some books there's some really good fiction out there there yeah to piggyback off of ocean it's like there there is pretty much a furry book for just about any type of genre that you're in, interested in like we run the gamut from like science fiction dystopian uh noir lots of horror lots of fantasy um, There's also a variety of different kinks and yeah. BDSM and, and other like, <laughs> yes. So yeah. if you're into that kink, there might be a furry book about it. There might be a furry book about it. So it's like, yeah, 
don't be afraid to like ask us like I, I tell people this a lot whenever I get featured on stuff it's like yeah find me on Twitter and ask me about books I will happily send you to the publishers and stuff and the publishers give me head pets because I send customers their way and I'm all about the head pets. So. Uh, in addition to that, if you are interested in being a writer or you are a writer, read books. Yes. Please read <laughs> there, books. there are so many writers that we talk to and they, they haven't read a book in ages. And it's like, how do you, how are you going to know what to write when you don't even read? That would be like a film director never watching films. You it's know, kind it's, of like with podcasting. It's important for you to listen to other podcasts so that you can get absolutely true. You know, some ideas. Absolutely. Like when I when I did my podcast, when I started it up, it was like, okay, well, I, I like how this guy introduces a podcast. I'm going to use something similar. And you know, some podcasts do outros. Let's do an outro. You know, like you you should intake the source material and culture that you are wishing to output, you know. Uh, if if you want to be a good chef, you're going to go try other people's food. It's it's just that thing. If you want to write good fiction, intake good fiction. Intake bad fiction. Yes, intake bad fiction. You will fiction. learn so much. <laughs> if you get a chance to read a slush pile, read a slush pile. Yes. Because you will have the full spectrum of, wow, this story is so good. I can tell it's an auto-include too. Is this even English? <laughs> Sometimes and, so and, and when you read a slush pile, you'll be like, wow i can okay so i'm dead like that's how far i've got to go to go up but man i'm that far from the bottom i'm doing okay you know you will yeah. see where your skill levels fits in there yeah so ocean. nuka as a go go for it Sorry. i was gonna say yeah ocean is totally correct about that like if you get a chance to read it on a slush file like i don't know when i'm doing my next anthology i'm not sure when ocean's doing his next anthology but when we do we'll probably put out a call for some people who want to get some experience in slush file reading so you can kind of step your game up like I was able to step my game up because I don't know if anyone's heard of the submission grinder or diabolical plots, but I am a slush pile reader for them. And holy crap, can, you will not be able to believe, you will not believe the stories that people put in 3,500 words. They will knock your socks off and it's like, wow, I really know how to step my game up from here. Same thing with reading novels. It's like you really have to, I try to read whatever is new and popping every year because it's like, what are the, what is the market looking at? What's been published? What are people liking and stuff? Or how did this author do something? Like you have to constantly be reading and intaking your craft and refining your craft. Like if I meet somebody and they say, oh, I haven't read a book in years, I'm going to look at you sideways because I'm like, this is going to be reflected in your writing. I can tell. So Nuka, as a fellow writer slash author, what, final thoughts do you have to offer um gosh it is hard because the thing I, I i write nonfiction mostly i write like books about research and stuff so uh i would my my advice because I, I write full full novels and stuff so uh my advice would be um i'm getting i'm getting please move closer so, to the microphone <laughs> uh no my, my advice would be um sort of what's been mirroring what's been said already, just write, just get it on the page. Um, I'm, I'm just finishing up now like a 400 page book here. And, you know, for all those times where I'm halfway through a chapter, I'm like, what, what am I doing? I could, I could go and eat a sandwich and take a nap instead of doing this. And this is just write one more chapter, one more chapter, one more page, one more paragraph, just get it out. And let me tell you, it is so much easier to edit something that's there than it is to stare at a blank page. So you can write way more than you you think you can if you just make yourself push through. How about yourself, Rue? 
Oh, myself? <laughs> yeah. Well, final thoughts in general. Right? Okay, so, writer, so but, here's yeah. my advice as far as with, with writing. Listen to these guys. I can barely read your emails <laughs> half the time. So <laughs> take advice from them. No, I'm just joking. You guys are great. Sorry, Ocean, what did you have to say? I want to kind of add on to what Nuka was saying in that, you know, it's very easy to not do things. Uh, John Mulaney has a joke where it's like, thanks for coming. You you didn't have to. You're adults. It's very hard to actually go things. In the same sense, it's very easy to, to not write. So if you want to write, I would suggest you sit down and write, as dumb as that sounds. Like, uh, everybody's going to have their own tips and tricks for how they do writing. People will be like, you got to write X amount of words a day or whatever. That That's not true. Find what works for you. If you find that, you know, Mondays at, at, at 7 p.m., I write for two hours. That's great. If you find that, like, First thing I do in the morning, I get up and I open my laptop and I do 500 words. That's great. Don't don't feel that you're obligated. I must write 500 words every day or uh, like I only got 30 words today. That's fine. You got 30 words. That's more than zero. Maybe tomorrow will be 3000. You don't you don't really know, but you'll get there. Just just the important thing is put your butt in the chair and write. If it's a little bit, if it's a lot, anything is still progress towards that end goal of that first draft. Um, some people like, I need to have my cigarette before I do, if that works for you, that's fine. If you don't smoke, obviously don't do it. You know, maybe, maybe you need to find the right music. If, if, uh, like me, sometimes I got to get my headphones. I've got to get the right playlist. Once I get in the zone, we're gone, but it, it might take me 20 minutes to get into that, but it's find What makes you be the most productive and do that. <laughs> I, the, the, the silliest thing with a lot of writing advice is find what works for you and do it it's just simple advice like you can really get into the weeds about the best way to write a character or, you know how to really get into depth into what your world is what are the people like how, how are the power struggles who who has the power who is not those are all great fine things but those are like i want to call them advanced courses i think the first thing to do is get comfortable writing and do it that's Step one. Nuka, is it that time? I think it's house creeping time. House oh, creeping. Oops. <laughs> okay, well, we, we weren't privy to this. What is this? <laughs> what is Get this? Out Get out. Did we lock the door? Lock the door. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we're creeping into your house. Lock your doors. Hide your furry porn. We're all going to be out there. No, just kidding. Anyways, sorry. That was a terrible joke. Come on uh, in. We have cupcakes. Yeah, we have cupcakes. So what do we got on the docket, Rue? So, first of all, thank you so much for you for you guys coming out today to uh, tell us about furry riding. Like, let me tell you, it, you guys were absolutely amazing and spot on for this particular episode. So thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having us. Yeah, it was a pleasure. So um, site stuff. So we're still working on our site. I apologize. It's kind of a work in progress, but our site is for what it's worth.com. Um, comment on the site. It makes it look like the people actually go there. Woohoo! <laughs> also, we have a Twitter, which is at for what it's worth.com. Give us a follow, send us a like, shoot some retweets once in a while because it helps us to be able to get our episodes out there because all of our marketing, what what's our marketing like, Nuka? Uh, non-existence. <laughs> yeah, our, our marketing is word of mouth. Word of mouth, yeah. So um, we also have an amazing Telegram group. Um, if you want to be a part of that, message me at Wine Red Fox, and I can get you added. Um, 
also emails. Uh, we loved receiving emails. In fact, we didn't have anything in the mailbag today, did we, Nuka? That was my fault. <laughs> I forgot to put on a call for email, so sorry. Yeah, tell us about SpeakPipe, Nuka. So if you're uh, really lazy and don't like to write, but you like to, to speak, you can use SpeakPipe. SpeakPipe.com slash for what it's worth. You can send us a short uh, recording. And uh, for example, one of those lovely, um, uh, 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 what am I spacing on the name of them suddenly? The, the idents, the idents. You can send us an idents through SpeakPipe um, or send an email using your own, uh, your own voice so that we don't have to read it. What's the next episode, Rue? Uh, the next episode is, well, bef before we get to that next episode, because that's the last thing, I wanted to give you guys an opportunity to plug whatever you wanted. So to our lovely guests, feel free oh, to, to plug. You can yeah. plug our pluggables. Go for it. Uh, if you're looking for a good resource on getting into furry writing, check out the Furry Writers Guild. It's still a good repository for stuff as well. Check out uh, a woo, a W O O anthropomorphic writing outreach. I forget what the other one was. I'm very sorry. I'm very sorry. JD. Anthropomorphic <laughs> they, writers <laughs> outreach organization. Or Excellent. They're also a great organization. Um, they also have RAR, which is the writing retreat. So if you're really looking for a way to double down on your skills, check out RAR. They're very fantastic. Uh, it's a, it's a week-long retreat. Uh, Kiri just did hers this year. I did mine a couple of years ago. It's a lot of fun um, as well. There's our podcast, which maybe we should dust it off and start it up again. There's It's called Fangs and Fonts. You can find it on Twitter, Fangs and Fonts. We, we haven't recorded anything in quite a while, but there is a large repository of all the stuff we have talked about ages ago. Yeah. And hopefully most of it's still relevant. Um, if you're looking to find us, you can find Ocean at Ocean Tigrex on Twitter. You can find me at D-A-R-H-E-D-D-O-L. I am the red doll, as I will always be. There's a blue doll, there's a small doll, there's a crimson doll, but I am the red one. And again, like, if you really, really want to love us, you can buy our books. Yeah. <laughs> So our next episode is about military furs. Woo! So we're going to have some lovely military furries um, on our show. And uh, please send emails. So what are some of the things that you want to hear, Mr. Nuka, or Dr. Nuka? You mean in terms of emails? Yes. Oh, yeah, so it says email. Yeah, so uh, questions that you want to ask the, uh, the, the boy. I want to say, not boys and boys, I guess, boys and bukkake. Uh, that's a different word. Never mind, that's the wrong. Well, the boys and camo? Boys and cow, yeah. Uh, yeah, no, so uh, questions for them. Questions about uh, how they got into it. Questions about maybe talking about your own experience if you're a military fur. Questions you have for military furs. Things like uh, adjusting to sort of being in the phantom. Talking about being a furry in the military, what that's like. If you have any questions about that, things you want to know about, absolutely fire us off an email or uh, use the speak pipe. Awesome. So this has been Rue. I'm Nuka. I'm Ocean. I'm Kiri the Inexorable. And you've and been listening to For, for What Is for Word. Oh my gosh. Do -do. Yay! 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 Woo!